In the summer of 1998, while teaching an Honors World Religions course in London to American students, I ventured on several field trips with my class. One of our excursions was to a Sikh Gurdwara on the outskirts of London. When twenty-three Americans entered the temple, all eyes were on us. We must have looked a bit out of place with our backpacks and blue jeans on. Upon entry, a Sikh gentleman with the traditional name of Singh, meaning lion, referring to courage and strength, requested that we cover our heads without delay. Choosing from a selection of scarves, students nervously tied their headpieces in what looked like a cross between a pirate and a Russian peasant look. We were then escorted to the lunch line, where we were served a Punjabi-style meal, including dal, rice, and chapatis. Afterward, we were led upstairs to the heart of the Gurdwara, where one finds the holy scriptures, the Guru Granth Sahib, or Adi Granth, a book literally viewed as the living guru. Since it was ladies' day, Sikh women were engaged in kirtan, singing praises, in front of the sacred writings. The guide who brought us upstairs asked us to bow in front of the holy book, giving a small offering. He generously volunteered change from his own pocket, placing in my hand a pence worth about two pennies, and saying that the amount did not matter just the thought. Before we left the temple, we were taken to a back room where a sick gentleman was melodically reading from another copy of the Guru Granth, a recitation that would continue until the entire holy book was read, cover to cover, taking over forty-eight hours. Reasonably, the assignment was done in shifts to accomplish this. Before we left the Gurdwara, our guide taught us the sick salutation. Sat Sri Akal, the true timeless Lord, a greeting often following the cry, Jo Bol Sonihal, the one who speaks this will be blessed. With that final lesson, we bid our farewells and thank yous, and ventured back to the train station to return to the heart of London. While our day trip was quite memorable, prior to it few students knew anything about Sikhism. In fact, some had never even heard of it. I would have to mention the wearing of turbans and beards before I would get an, oh, yes, them. This has never surprised me, since Sikhism receives very little attention in religion textbooks, and when it is covered, the presentation is often fraught with historical inaccuracies. All too often religion teachers, if they even cover Sikhism, perpetuate the misrepresentation as they draw their lectures from this material. Why is Sikhism a religion founded by Guru Nanak and with a larger following than Judaism, approximately 20 million Sikhs, compared to approximately 15 to 16 million Jews, too often ignored in world religions textbooks? Mark Jurgensmeyer, a well-known scholar of religions, refers to Sikhism as the forgotten tradition contending it is a victim of two prejudices, a preference for ancient religions and non-regional ones. Sikhism is only 500 years old and found primarily in northern India in the Punjab. When Sikhism is included in world religions books, it is usually sandwiched in between Hinduism and Islam and described as a syncretism of the two. But as we shall see, this is incorrect. 
Many of the historical inaccuracies are from the work of 19th-century British writers who present only the orthodox view of Sikh history. These writers gathered their material from a 19th-century revivalist movement, the Singh Sabha, whose objective was to establish normative orthodoxy in order to reassert Sikh identity. Members of the Singh Sabha feared that Sikhism was dwindling in the larger Hindu society. To combat this, Sikhism was presented as a non-evolving, coherent tradition, an ism, with rituals, dress codes, and behavioral norms supposedly dating back to Guru Nanak himself. Sikhs were then expected to adhere to them with fervor. What was lost was the understanding of how Sikhism evolved in the course of five centuries.